coming up. Are you as frustrated with the D-backs offense against the Washington Nationals as I am? We're breaking it down next. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? Miller Thomas, of course, the host of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. There you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas24 for my personal account. Or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that stuff. I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. But on today's pod, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about the Washington versus D backs doubleheader yesterday to start off the pod. But in part two today, we're talking with Sully Baseball of Lockdown MLB about that whole Joe Madden fiasco earlier uh, this past week against the Texas Rangers when he walked in a run with the bases loaded intentionally. And we're talking about the Bill Miller Ump Show as well with Sully in part two of the podcast. But let's talk about that doubleheader against the Washington Nationals because it could not have been more frustrating of a two games to watch than... I don't even know what to compare it to because this whole season outside of game one has been frustrating. And that doubleheader just continued this frustration because you look at both of those games and you're like, man, the D-backs could have won that doubleheader yesterday. Maybe the first game was least likely than the second game, but the D-backs were in that first game for most of it. The D-backs were up one nothing through four innings in game one yesterday. And Madison Bumgarner, I don't think he looked great on the mound. I thought he had some control issues he did up issuing four walks to five strikeouts but overall if I tell you Madison Bumgarner is going to go out there and pitch five innings two hits zero earned runs are you going to take that as a D-backs fan yes you are only 83 pitches I don't think Madison Bumgarner has looked great this year I think he has had some command and control issues I think he's been shaky at times on the mound especially after he gets after the third inning by the time he gets to that second third time through a rotation he usually starts to wear down you can see that velocity going down you can see these hitters start to lock in on his pitches but even with all that being said Madison Bumgarner is not giving up earned runs he got in a little jam yesterday there was two runs allowed but it was not Madison Bumgarner Gardner's fault because a big issue with the D-backs so far this season and it's something that Toy Lovello always preaches but it's not something that seems to be getting through to the players the message seems to not be getting received by the players which is fundamental defense because the defense has not been there for the D-backs this season they lead Major League Baseball in errors so far and one guy who has not looked good defensively or offensively, which is a complete shock and surprise because he's a superstar player. He got the best bargain contract in baseball, I believe. That is Ketel Marte, and I don't know what is going on with Ketel Marte. I don't know if he feels new pressure from the extension he signed. He should not feel any pressure, but 
of the day yesterday in both doubleheaders. He went 0 for 8 with three strikeouts. He had that error in the first game that led up the two go-ahead runs for the Washington Nationals. And you're just sitting there watching like, what is going on with Ketel Marte? He is not this bad defensively. I never thought Ketel Marte was like Ozzie Smith or something out there in the infield. I thought he was athletic. I didn't love him playing center field because I thought he was too likely to get hurt. But I know he's a better second baseman than what we've shown than what we've seen so far. And so far, he's been sloppy in the field. I have not been impressed with him on the diamond. I have not been impressed with him at the plate. He does not look comfortable on the mound right now. And the first game yesterday. Once we got to the bullpen, I mean, the D-backs kept it close to Madison Bumgarner's 2-1. to one, And once we got to the bullpen, the Washington Nationals kind of just blew the game open because guess what? Um, I saw enough Oliver Perez already this season. The man is 40 years old. And guess what? He's not good. He should not be pitching for this D-backs team, a team that's, I mean, the way it's going, the D-backs are on pace for less wins than last season. So the way this season's going... A guy like Oliver Perez, who's 40 years old, who is ready to retire to the Mexican Independent League before Mike Hazen convinced him to come out of retirement. This guy should not be pitching on this roster. We should be throwing young guys out there, our young studs, the more Tyler Gilberts that we have in our farm system or whoever, the Humberto Mejias, the Luis Frias is like, we should be seeing all these young guys pitching, not the Oliver Perez's who are 40 years old, who offer no value to the D-backs. What value? He was cool in the first game. He was a little novelty pitcher, a uh, novelty reliever who seemed to come in and look very effective in that first game. But I was like, I don't know how long this is going to hold up. How long can you really trust a 40-year-old pitcher? Well, since that first outing in game one, Alvaro Perez has not looked very good. He has a 13.5 ERA currently on the season. And guess what? He wasn't the only one I didn't like out the bullpen yesterday because you also saw Matt Peacock, who was optioned from AAA Reno. The D-backs sent Caleb Smith down this past weekend. They called up Matt Peacock for the doubleheader. And guess what? I didn't think Matt Peacock looked any better yesterday either than J.B. Wendelkin or Oliver Perez who came in. And I didn't think Matt Peacock came in and was effective last season. I'm done with Matt Peacock as well. I love the kid's backstory. It's a fantastic origin story, but do I think he's a good reliever? No. So let's stop seeing the Matt Peacocks. Let's stop seeing the Oliver Perez's. Let's bring up real relievers, or maybe not real relievers, because I don't think D-backs have too many real relievers, but they need to at least throw out their young guys and the guys who might have a potential, the guys who could have a future with Arizona because guys like Oliver Perez and Matt Peacock, I do not see a future in Arizona, but let's just talk quickly about game two because game two was frustrating because I thought they had some real opportunities in game two, maybe even more opportunities than game one. There were some opportunities in game one. I mean, you had that uh Two men on with Dalton Varsho coming up late in the game. He grounded into a double play. You had some men on the bases in the ninth inning with a little Hail Mary. Hopefully we could come back. That didn't happen. But you look at game two. This was a one nothing game the whole way. The Nationals scored one run in the sixth inning because Tyler Gilbert, who I'm ready to declare the number five starter for the D-backs, he came out and he pitched a great game. I thought he looked really solid up there on the mound. He's never going to overpower you. He's never going to have the most electric stuff. This is a guy who's going to throw mostly sinker balls, pitch around 90 miles per hour in terms of velocity, not very fast, but he's very effective. Five and two thirds, one earned run, one walk, three strikeouts. He's not going to walk a ton of dudes, which I like a lot. He's like a baby Merrill Kelly. I think is the best way to describe him without that fastball. And yesterday, I thought he looked really good over 
almost six innings pitched, 73 pitches. He did a great job, got in a little trouble. I believe in that sixth inning, but he was able to work out of it. I think Tyler Gilbert probably should be the number five starter for the D-backs, but the offense was not able to bail him out yesterday, and they had their opportunity. They only needed one opportunity to potentially win that game, and they came in the ninth inning when they had, what, the bases loaded and no outs? If you can't convert in that scenario, then yeah, you don't deserve to win. Bases loaded. No outs in the ninth inning and the D-backs were not able to come through. That is the story of the game. That is the story of the season. Bad defense. Not playing fundamental defense. There's so many plays where it's like Perdomo throwing it away or Paven Smith can't make the throw in right field or they're not able to track down the ball or it's a pop fly drop. Like Whatever the scenario is, the defense has not been fundamentally sound this season and the D-backs offense has not been able to come through where runners in scoring position 0 for 6 in game 1, and in game 2, they were 1 for 8 with runners in scoring position. Now, if I want to give some quick positives, I think Paven Smith has been swinging a pretty good bat. I think Paven Smith, surprisingly, has looked pretty good at the plate so far. So if you're going to say, why do the D-backs keep platooning and sitting Seth Beer, uh, you know, uh, when he could just be the DH, why do they keep sitting him against lefties and keep playing Paven Smith. Well, Paven Smith has at least showed yesterday why he keeps getting more playing time, but I think maybe at this point, maybe we should keep playing both Paven Smith and Seth Beer. Seth Beer did play first base in that game one yesterday, and I thought he looked fine at first base, and Seth Beer just keeps continuing to rake. We need to keep Seth Beer in the lineup. Two hits in that first game, and he also had a hit in the second game. Like, Seth Beer's bat is too nice to keep out of the lineup so I like Paven Smith how he's swinging the bat I like how Seth Beers swinging the bat as well Dalton Varso seems to be heating up a little bit still his average is pretty low but he had a couple home runs this past uh, few days so I'm starting to like what I see from Varsho as well the offense still is not doing enough they're able to get men on bases they're able to create these scoring opportunities but they not have been, but they haven't been able to convert um yet and hopefully they'll start being able to convert these scoring opportunities because the D-backs offense has been putrid. It's basically the worst in baseball. The pitching staff ERA is very good. The pitching rotation is very good. Brent Strom has been doing his job with the starters, but now it's time for the new hitting coach to do his job with the offense because it has been absolutely disgusting. And it makes me wonder if Tori Lovello is on the hot seat and whether he should be for the rest of 2022. Now, we'll get into part two with Sully Baseball, talking about the Joe Madden fiasco and the Bill Miller um show. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Blue Nile, because whether she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. Mark Mother's Day with something enduring. Classic diamond stud earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, birthstone pendants, and so much more on BlueNile.com. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And locked on listeners, get $50 off $500. This podcast exclusive only good through Mother's Day. Use code locked on. That's code locked on. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to bluenile.com today. 
All right, all right, all right. Let's get into that pod with Sully Baseball. Uh, one other person who's had a, a nice, at least last few games, Shohei Otani. Otani. Three home runs in the last two games. Ah, Texas. Yeah. It, oh, yeah, I don't know if we want to talk about uh, what was it? Was it Texas versus the Angels where Joe Madden walked Corey Seager with the yeah, loaded? yeah, let's, I, mean, let's, let's, I mean, what was what, what, Joe Madden trying to get fired? I mean, we can stay on that for a second if you want because I think everyone in baseball was like, What's going on? I mean, it's the Rangers, it's bases loaded, it's not like Corey Seager's Barry Bonds. It's like, Why are you doing this exactly? Yeah. I think it was a move of Joe Madden saying, Fire me, Angels, please, just let me go. Uh, you know, it's a, that is a. It was a very strange move. I remember when Buck Showalter uh, walked Bonds with the bases loaded. That was in a game where, but you know, that made sense. But that because I remember seeing that game. The Giants. I mean, Bonds obviously was the best player in it's baseball. Bonds, yeah, that's all <laughs> he's Bonds. And this was this was still this was before super pumped up Bonds, but still he was. You know, the first person to hit 400 home runs and steal 400 bases before he ballooned up. And he, there was nobody else in the lineup that came close to him. The bases were loaded. They were down. The Arizona's was up by two with two outs at the ninth. And Showalter realized, okay, if Bonds gets a single, the game is tied. If Bonds gets an extra base hit, not, not even just – if he hits a home run, obviously it's over. If he got a double, it's over. So – if I walk him, it, we still have the lead, and we don't have to face Barry Bonds. It, that move made all the sense in the world, and it worked. As he got the next batter out, I think it was Kent, if I remember correctly. And Kent was no slouch, but he's no Barry Bonds. And so who would I rather face, Barry Bonds with the bases loaded up by two or Jeff Kent with the bases loaded up by one? Uh, there, it, That's a pretty easy decision, uh, and he wound up being vindicated for it. I don't understand because they were already losing at this point, and Corey Seager's a fine player. Mm -hmm. But if you got a major league pitcher up there, you know, get him. (laughs) I mean, get him. This is not Mike Trout. You know, this is not Otani. This is not Vladdy Jr. I I, and and it was such a weird moment in the game that it happened. Um, As I said, the we remember that Showalter thing, but it, it was the correct move for him to do. I don't get what's happening here. And and look, at I don't know if Madden wants out of the Angels. This is his third season with the Angels. They haven't sniffed contention, even though they had expanded playoffs for the first year he was there. And last year, they were a sub-500 team. And even though they have the, the two most exciting players in baseball, I don't think anyone sees them as a contender this year. I can't imagine why he'd want out. I mean, he came up through the Angels organization as a coach, briefly was interim manager twice in the 90s. He's a Hall of Fame manager who's been handed two MVPs. You would think he would say, I want to be here for the long term. I want to win here. But it is a surreal move that he did. Yeah, I think, I mean, he was with Tampa Bay, one of the smartest, if not the smartest organization in baseball, had pitching coming up through the farm system year after year. We've talked about it a million times. They're a freaking machine when it comes to pitching, but now he goes to Los Angeles and they struggle to find pitchers. Like, his best pitcher is also his DH. So I think if you're Joe Madden, it's like, can I trust this organization to put the best team on the field? We have the two best players in the sport, and they've never been able to figure out from a front office standpoint, from a pitching standpoint. So if I'm Joe Madden, it's like, yeah, I got the two best players in the sport the two 
players in the sport, but the front office can't field a team to help me win games, then why should I stick around if it's never going to materialize into anything? Keep in mind, he was the manager for the Devil Rays the first couple of years, then they stuck. Right. But then he was there when it, they turned around from being a 96 loss team in 2007 to a 97 win team in 2008, where they went to the World Series. Uh, and he had a winning year every year in Tampa after that until 2014. Uh, when they kind of dismantled a lot of the team, including trading away David Price. And the opportunity came for him to go. Well, there were two opportunities. One was in Los Angeles and one was in Chicago. I thought he was going to L.A., uh, but L.A. decided to keep Don Mattingly for one more year. And he went to the Cubs. Obviously, we all know that he turned the Cubs around. They won 103 games and won the World Series in 2016. Made the playoffs several of those years. Lost the wild card game to the Rocks. Um, in 2019, they had a winning season, but didn't really contend. And then he left for the angels after that, which I think he had a, he clashed with the front office at that point. Cause I thought he was going to be the Cubs manager for life after five years and a world series title. You would think that that would give him a world series, you know, a, a job for life, but like Francona, there became a clash with the front office and off he went. And I thought he thought that like, well, look it, I'm going to go to where Mike Trout is. The Astros are going to age out of the the top spot, and you know all you need to do is put a mediocre team around Trout, and that's all of a sudden we're a playoff contender. Well, they haven't put a mediocre team around Trout yet. No, and when you look at those front offices, even though he clashed, I mean, I just mentioned the Rays, but Theo Epstein was the dude leading that Chicago Cubs. Theo Epstein might be the greatest executive of all time with the way he's done with the Cubs and the Boston Red Sox. So when you leave those two franchises and those two executives and those front offices, like, yeah, it's going to be a stark contrast going from Theo Epstein and the Tampa Bay Rays front office to what the Angels have done the last 10 years of mediocrity, never being able to find a starting pitcher, never being able to build out their rotation. So I think Joe Madden is just having a realization like, man, not every organization in front office is the same in baseball and i guess i'm maybe not as good of a manager as i thought i was who knows yeah but here's here's my problem with that uh -oh. though uh -oh. you've uh -oh. seen like garrett cole was mm -hmm. available garrett cole was traded from the pirates to the astros and astros to new york you saw max scherzer go from washington to los angeles to the mets you've seen his whole rotation level, you've seen top level pitchers move and none of them have landed in Anaheim. I, I, this is on the ownership. And maybe part of him is going like, are we doing this again? Are we really doing this again? Really? You know, if Madden leaves, he'll be gobbled up in, in three, two, oh. one to manage a oh, team. Yeah. And he might be looking around and going like, I don't know if I want to do 162 games or I waste the talent of Mike Trout. Now, look, at I don't think he's trying to get uh, fired, fired. But does anybody think this Angels team's a playoff team this year? No, and they you know? don't have to go out there and sign the Garrett Coles. Like, look at the A's rotation. They blew it up. You can add one, any one of those guys. Even Frankie Montez, he's still there. Go get that Bassett, guy because you Montez. desperately need him in your rotation. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And none of them have landed with the Angels, and it's absolutely crazy. And you know what? That whole rotation needs a giant boost, and they're not getting that boost. And the only boost they're getting, and I've had this on good authority, is they all eat built bars. And do you want built bars? They are the best tasting protein bars out there. Now, those of you, I know Millard, you've had these, but if you've tried the puffs, if you haven't had them, you're missing out on one of the best tasting built bars ever. They're the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallow. 
They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. Say, no, no, not the puffs. Yeah, puffs too. Great flavors. Cinnamon and churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. Those are just the puffs. You want more mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. I know you love the cookies and cream. I love the raspberry. They're low-calorie, high-protein. Replace your candy bars with these. Some of you are thinking, but Sully, I love candy bars, and they're so good for me. That's where you've been misinformed. Candy bars are actually not good for you. Some of them have 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and oh, yeah, they're candy bars. But check out Built Bars. Go to the macros chart at Built.com. Scroll down. I'm telling you, your mind will be blown away. It'll be that scene from Scanners. Thank you, anyone who gets that reference. They, most built bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Let me tell you something. Built Bar, they don't care as much about the health as it is about the taste. They want them both. They say they got to taste great first. They come up with a cool flavor. Then they figure out how to make it healthy for you. I don't know how they do it. They're smarter than me on this. They do it every time. I'm going to give you an offer. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Millard. Uh, thanks for giving me the little, the little thing mm -hmm. for the built.com. All right, Millard, let's get down to brass tacks here. Okay. Um, I don't know why I said that. I don't have a brass tacks to get down to you. Uh, I want to bring up the uh, the ump show that happened. Uh, the Bill was Bill Miller was mm -hmm. was the umpire of a game uh, uh, with Atlanta and Kenley Jansen, who still looks weird that he's in a Braves uniform uh, is uh, the, he came in from the bullpen at Turner field, um, which is interesting because they no longer play in Turner field, but that's how far away the bullpen is. And they had to go all the way to SunTrust stadium. And which is, it's about an hour and a half drive from the bullpen to the stadium. It's a long distance from the bullpen to the mound is what I'm saying. And uh, uh, Kenley Jensen wasn't exactly in a sprint. And he came up there and the umpire basically, this had taken too long and said, all right, come on, you only got one more pitch. He said, no, let me take one more pitch. And then he basically was trying to get in the way of the catcher. He said, no, you're done throwing your pitches. And it turned into a big argument with Snitker about this is taking too long. It's taking too long. And it was called an ump show and all this other things. I have some thoughts on this, which mm -hmm. may not be uh, may not be where everyone is landing. But what did you think of when you saw that ump show? I don't want to put any uh, thoughts. No, let me that. let me give the take that the people want here, because umpires need to realize they need to have self-awareness. They need to have some self-realization because robotic umpires are on their way and if i'm a real umpire right now i'm not trying to make uh i'm not trying to stir anything i'm not trying to cause any problems i'm not trying to raise any tensions with these players because we might be out of a job in a few short seasons i think the atlantic league or the minor leagues are already doing the electronic strike zone so these umpires their back is against the wall their jobs might be on the line and the last thing i want to do is tell a pitcher he can't have one more extra warm-up pitch and that could be the difference between me being here this season and a robot ump being here next season. So if I'm Bill uh, Miller, if I'm any umpire in baseball right now, I'm doing everything I can to make these players happy, these managers happy, because I want to keep my job because I know these robotic umps are on my ass and they could be taking my job maybe next season in Major League Baseball. Okay, That's let me say one thing. <laughs> I don't disagree with anything you just said. Everything you said there, I said yes. Agreed, 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 agreed. I'm 100% for an electronic strike zone. We know, we could see... 
when a strike comes in. But Sally, what about the human element? The human element is the pitcher throwing the strike or the batter not swinging at it. What I don't like is a pitcher throws a makes the human element and throws a great pitch and it's not called a strike because someone didn't see it as a strike. It became an opinion. I don't like that. I've been screaming for an electronic strike zone for over a decade because we have the technology. I'm mean, let's $6 million man this. We have the technology to do it. Let's go do it. There will still be a role for a human umpire on the field, no matter what. I think replay and, and you know, going to replay and everything like that, uh, those should be for the egregious calls. And I, and I also have a rule, 30 seconds. You get 30 seconds to review it. Boom. If whatever it is can't be seen in 30 seconds, it's too close. Let's move on. Okay. I don't want to. Hold on. Did, did he lift his foot up for a microsecond? No. It's for the blown. Oh, no, no. He beat the throw. He beat the throw. Oh, no. He actually missed the tag. Oh, it actually was foul. That's what I want. Not like, oh, wait a second. Wait a second. We're now in minute 40 of analyzing this foul ball. No, 30 seconds. That's what it should be for. And you have the, you know, the umps making the call, fair ball, fair, safe, out, all these different things, call, you know, things that a robot can't do. There's a lot of things that a human umpire can do. So you're not, don't be also paranoid about you're losing your job. Yeah, it'd be maybe less stressful that you don't have to worry about calling the, the strikes. Okay. But here's the deal. Mm. The the umpire obviously it was an ump show. And I, we're not we don't pay to see the umpires. And of course, the great irony is he wanted to pick up the pace of the game. And by doing that, he grounded to a halt. Kind of like the guy in the college baseball game between Florida State and University of Florida who called the batter out for stepping out of the, the box one too many times and said, okay, you're out. I told you don't step out of the box. You're out. Strike three. You're gone. And it caused a delay, confusion and delay, for those of you who are fans of Thomas the Tank Engine. All this is true, ump show and everything. However, a point was made. If we're talking about pace of play, I'm all for someone saying, hey, Let's pick up the pace. Stay in the box. Get there. You you, you did 4,000 warm-up pitches in there. Get your pitches in. Let's go. You want to get in there faster? Let's get a cart. Get the bullpen cart. Put cover the built cover the with built bar ads and anything you like. You can pay for the built the bullpen cart uh in a nanosecond. You know? Get them out there. Boom. Get your warm-up pitches and let's go. Uh, I'm all for. You know, if you watch games, um, this is not old man Sully going because this was of an era that a lot of people thought, like, well, people are not paying attention to baseball. It's losing steam to football. Kids don't follow baseball. It's not fast paced enough. This is what they said in the 70s. It's also what they said in the 50s. Probably what they said in the 20s. They didn't say it my whole life. Okay. But if you watch some games in the 70s, you'll see that the, here's the pitch, strike one. Okay. Throws back there. Here comes the pitch, strike two. It, they just pitch and people stay in the box. And the pace of play, you know, 20 seconds here, 30 seconds there for every single pitch, eventually adds up. And that speeds up more than saying you don't have to hold up your your arm to throw an intentional walk. So while I disagree with how Bill Miller did it, just like how he disagreed with how that college jump did it in the Florida State University of Florida game, I get where they're coming from. Let's go. Let's pick it up. 
You've thrown enough yeah, pitches. Bill, yeah, Bill's reasoning could be correct. I just think if, my, if I'm on the hot seat, I'm probably not doing that. But let me play devil's advocate to my own take. If you do believe the electronic strike zone is inevitable and robot umps are coming, well, if I'm the umpire, then let me go the opposite way. Let me start being feisty with these managers and these players. Let me start giving my opinion. You know what? Let me make it the umpire show because if I'm going to be out the... If I'm going to be out of Major League Baseball anyway in a year and not have a job anymore, I might as well be the star of the show all of a sudden. So, you know what? I'm going to actually flip my own take and say, umpires, let's start being the stars of the show and let's stop the game at every opportunity because that's the right thing to do if you're an umpire right now. So you say go out with a blaze of glory. Blaze go of glory out time. with a blaze of glory. Just burn all all bridges and everything. Just every time it's a strike down the middle, just call it a ball. Every time it's three feet off the plate, just call it a strike. Just do whatever you want if you're an umpire. All right, man. Well, hey, one thing I'm going to do is we're going to go out in a blaze of glory right now. we okay. got a bunch of games that are starting up here in uh, on Sunday. And also Monday is the Patriots Day game. So we get the 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time start for the Red Sox game that I believe is uh, against Minnesota. Um, it's a great tradition in Boston. Yeah, it's against the Twins. It's a great tradition in Boston. Obviously, the tragedy happened in 2013 that accentuated the – people's resolve to have this wonderful day of Patriots Day honoring the battles of Lexington and Concord, the Boston Marathon, all this great stuff that happens. And so it's an 8 a.m. start here in California. I love having baseball at 8 a.m. So by the time you're listening to this on Monday, um, Bundy and Hill are probably already starting. So there you go. But, hey, Miller Thomas, host of Locked On Diamondbacks. Tell people where they can find your show. Yeah, follow me on Twitter on my personal account at CreatorThomas24 or just look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Look at that. That easy. Yeah, and the Diamondbacks are going to be playing the Nationals. Uh, and I Ooh. think it's uh, Bumgarner pitching for on Monday. So that should be that should be an interesting matchup. And he, yeah. down the, down the uh, uh, 110 from where I'm sitting right now, the Dodgers are going to be playing the Braves in a rematch of the last two National League Championship Series. So that should be an interesting series going on. You could follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Hey, we did another good crossover, man. This was a lot of fun. We covered a lot of ground. Yeah, we, coming we live. Did um, we, we did um shows. We did the rise of the Rockies. We did the resurgence of Verlander, Carrasco, and Kershaw. I think That's we brought up. I think we brought up Otani, but I don't think we actually said anything about him. I don't think we talked oh, we about just, it. He, hit, he had three home runs in the last two games, and we'll see. Well, he probably hit four home runs on Sunday, so it's it's good to see him getting back. And we're wondering if uh, Joe Madden's sabotaging his own career right now. Is that I'm out? And I I'm feel not like going to Disneyland. I feel like Greg gave a quick shout out to Vlad Guerrero Jr. He also had a phenomenal week. Had that mm-hmm. one game against the Yankees, three home runs in a day. Dude is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Shout out Vlad Guerrero Jr. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about C.J. Cron. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Francisco Lindor is starting to hit the ball quite well. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, Manny Machado was hitting. Got a five-hit day the other the other day. So a lot, we got a lot of great baseball going on here. Let's keep it going. We're in mid-April. This is the locker Let's do our fist pump, man. Fist pump right here. Can you do a fist pump? I'm in California. You're in Jersey. Mm-hmm. You're in Jersey Two right coast. now. Two coast. Coast Bye. to coast. Coast to coast, locked off crossover for the 18th day of April. Happy Easter for those of you who celebrate. Happy Patriots Day, everyone there in Massachusetts. I'm your pal Sully, and this is the president, Miller Thomas.
Thank you to everyone tuned into this edition of the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. Please come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked on, Locked on MLB, my pal Sully Baseball. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. This is...